Hey, Ra, how are you? Hey, Mom, I'm doing better, you know, with the food poison and all. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm glad you're feeling better. It's raining on this Friday again. It is raining on this Friday, but we've been pushing, 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 pushing it all week. Go get the money, go get the money. Go get the money, go get the money. Yes, but we made it to Friday, another Friday, despite the rain. We are here recording more show for you all. Yes. Glad you're listening. Last episode, what did we talk about? Borrowing your items. Yes, we talked about um, different borrowing policies you all may have and setting those boundaries in whatever relationship you have to make sure you have clear standards about, you know, what you are willing to give and how you would want to receive those items once, you know, they're returned. Uh, and just, you know, overall knowing when to say no. Let's move on. Let's move on, baby. I'm Angela, the mom. I'm Raja, the daughter. And this is... Talking Talkin Brown, Brown Sugar. Sugar. I want some of your brown sugar. Yes, today we're adding a new segment called the Sugar Bowl. And it'll be an assortment of random thoughts we've had throughout the week. What are you pulling from the Sugar Bowl today, mom? Well, I'm pulling from the sugar bowl today. Why do we leave the little corner of drink in the refrigerator? And nobody touches it. It just moves around in the refrigerator. But nobody touches it. I even got some fault, too. I pull it out and look at it and put it right back in there. But it's got to stop, you know. Why we keep doing this? Well, it could be coming from, you know, you're drinking or you pour your drink the amount you want but it's more than what you thought to the point where you would have to throw or throw the drink container in the trash and then you'd be the one responsible for drinking all of the drink said drink you know and it could have been guilt that stopped you from pouring the whole drink or it could have been you know the fact that you know you were like oh I don't want to drink at all, so let me pour a little bit back and save a little sip for somebody else, you know? No, I should have just poured it out and let somebody just defend for themselves and say, look, fix some more. That's funny. That is funny. <laughs> back to you, boo. Yes. Um, I only have one random thought. Um, If you are going to apologize to me publicly... And you say, or start with, I'm sorry, bruh, you better have something else going on or following that up. I'm sorry, bruh. Really? That's the best you can do. That's all I have from the Sugar Bowl today. Let's move on to the Sugar Cubes, a.k.a. the news. Mine is coming from comicbook.com by Matthew Muller. We've been waiting for this, everybody. The Bad Boys sequel is officially moving forward. 2020, January the 17th. Bad Boys for Life. Featuring Martin Lawrence, Will Smith. Guess what? They got three new actors coming aboard. Vanessa Hoggins, Alexander Ludquin, Charles Melton, and you know what? 
my favorite characters are detectives Mark Laurie, Marcus Burnett. I can't wait to see this picture. This is my words. Um, I've been listening and reading and following up on this. Listening to Will Smith talking about they have been anticipating him and Mark Lawrence trying to get this movie together since the 2000s. But um, things just was not going the way they needed to. Finding chemistry with other actors, actresses, um, direction sites, um, people writing plots. And plus they haven't even said how this movie was going to be showcased. But I tell you what, it's going to be some old school which is from uh, Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. It's Mike Lowry. With the new school. So they're going to have to come together with their own special adage, you know, to make us feel this is still bad boys for life. And I'm looking forward to giving me some popcorn from the concession stand, maybe a nice icy. Or, you know what? I might even do an upgrade at the theater where you get the menu. Recline and dine. Recline and dine. I love it. So you can sit back, wait for somebody to serve you. And you know what? Do they still have um, drive throughs You might find one somewhere in the woods. You think so? If you're willing to travel into the woods or something. Well, that's my little bit of what? Sugar cubes. On to you, Raja. Yes, um, I have a couple articles. Um, since college, I've been following this in Toya Brown story. Um, been watching the documentary about her life. Um, after she was sentenced as an adult at the age of sixteen after being a sex trafficking victim. Um, but the article. I want to talk about today is from the root says Santoya's brown name is not on the list of the 11 people Tennessee's governor granted clemency to. So recently, um, Governor Bill Haslam, he granted clemency to 11 people of those 11, um, seven of those people were, um, granted clemency. Um, so released back into general population. Uh, but the other, Four people were only um, having their sentences commuted or reduced, um, meaning they would have to serve less time um, so they would have a second chance to be, um, I guess, a contributing citizen in society. But what is um, one of the main takeaways from this article is that um, Centoya Brown has been in prison since she was 16, she is now 29, 30 years old, and people have been fighting for her case to be, you know, re- just revisited to see if she can be released because she has been in there since she was a teen. So basically raised in the system, um, especially during her formative years, um, still a teen, but she was charged as, as an adult because of the crime she committed when, you know, she felt her life was being threatened when um, her pimp, who um, had basically been trafficking her, was supplying her with drugs and abusing her physically and emotionally, um, set her up with some grown man who, when she felt threatened, she had to kill him to protect herself. Um, 
But recently, the Tennessee Supreme Court ruled that she has to serve 51 years before she can even be considered for release. So we've had the um, Black Lives Matter um, activist group in Tennessee questioning the governor, asking him, you know, will she be on the list? What what can you do for her? Centoya Brown to either, you know... Uh, reduce the time she has to serve. She's already been in there since she was 16. Again, she is almost 30 or is 30 now. Um, we've even had um, Toronto Burke has also joined the Black Lives Matter movement in Tennessee to help with her cause on the ACLU. There's so many different people who are rallying behind Santoya Brown, and it just does not make sense. Um, that she has to serve 51 years before she can be released or even considered for release. So she wouldn't be released in 50, 51 years. She would be considered for release when she's about 81 years old. And it doesn't make sense um, considering the justice system as a whole when you have grown men who literally fly to other countries to have sex with young girls um, who are in this very country who have been found guilty of um, sexually abusing, harassing women frequently have a pattern, a history of it, and they're just fined, um, you know, handed a slap on the wrist, have to serve community time. They get one or two jail, one or two years in jail. You know, you can rape somebody, you get a couple of months off, or, you know, um, you have a judge who says they don't want prison or jail to impact this young man's life or whatever, but we have Santoya Brown who's literally been raised by the system. Her mother gave her up for adoption when she was just two years old. Like her biological mom gave her up for adoption. Um, but it just doesn't make sense that um, she was denied clemency essentially because her name was left off of the list of 11 people that he granted clemency to. I think we need to raise some attention to whoever's in charge of her files and dockets to talk to this judge. You know, her name needs to be on the list. I proclaim that. Her name needs to be on the list. I'm raising my fist up. Yeah, it just, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but if you go to the website, how you can help com, there are numerous ways you can get involved. Um, you can RSVP for a candlelight vigil, um, that'll be held for her. You can write to her. You can get involved with the ACLU. There are so many different channels where you can get involved and help, um, Centoya Brown get freedom. Also in the news, we have from Business Insider. Um, I've been seeing a lot of stories about this one on social media, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, uh, about the man who started a GoFundMe campaign to raise money from the public to fund the wall. Um, It says from the Business Insider, the man behind a GoFundMe campaign that raised $11 million to build Trump's wall has also ran a conspiracy theory page that got kicked off Facebook. This isn't shocking, uh, but the article reads uh, further. Uh, he has raised $11 million in private money to build President Donald Trump's proposed U.S.-Mexican border 
wall also ran conspiracy theories on the website related Facebook page that was kicked off the platform in October. Uh, Brian Colfidge, a U.S. veteran who travels to speak about being a triple amputee, U.S. veteran, triple amputee, aims to raise $1 billion with his We the People Will Fund the Wall fundraiser to construct a 2,000-mile wall along the border. Um, this man is a triple amputee, a veteran, and wants to fund the wall, the border wall that Trump has already been blocked from doing, um, not receiving support from the government, essentially. And so this man thought it was a bright idea, which it clearly was, because over 186,000 people have donated, and one person even donated $50,000. A single person had a free $50,000 to donate to building the wall. We have roads, fire, cities, you know, this being devastated by fires, other natural disasters. We have children who are in school who need books. Um, we literally have veterans who are struggling with homelessness, issues with um, veterans coming home, finding a job, struggling with PTSD, all kinds of different things when they come home. Um, and this man who is a veteran and triple amputee himself, uh, just, you know, thought that this was more important than all the other things we could use $11 million for. And he's not, I don't think he's the only one to fault because we also have, you know, this 186,000 individuals who thought or just really believe in their heart of hearts that I should, you know, go into my pocket after passing how many other GoFundMes for people. You know, we talked last episode how people use GoFundMe for a health insurance replacement. He passed all those different GoFundMes, like, they passed all those different GoFundMes to put money towards a wall. A wall. There are people who, you know, who just want to have some food to feed their kids, all kinds of small things. People who are trying to bury their loved ones and cannot afford it. But we want to build a wall. There's so many ways this money could be used. They raised, in three days, over $7 million. And I'm, this is, um, this eleven million dollar mark they hit is just as of four hours ago, so it could be even higher now. I just I don't know what to say. You know, it, it, it just to let you know where America is standing with this, and it's sad. It's not gonna stop. You can build all the walls you want. What's it gonna stop? Nothing. We got teachers that's not paid. We got kids not eating correct food, even though they're coming up with these new menus for the children in school. We got parents who can't afford after daycare or daycare and you're cutting funds here you're cutting funds there you talking about building a wall we need to go fund me for something else i'm not gonna say what it is because you know what it is yeah it's disgusting we literally a nice uh a better use of that money especially with the holiday season you know pay people's bills mommy like how do you, uh jay-z has done it other organizations have done it They've paid the bills of people with families or just children so they could be home with their kids for the holidays. That'd be wonderful. You know how many kids write to Santa saying, I want to be, I want to be with my mom, my, my my dad, my whoever is in jail. Yeah. We're the most incarcerated people 
in the world. That's a million dollar business right there. Oh, it's more than a million dollars. But speaking of other kinds of GoFundMes, we've also had from a started from a joke from Twitter. Um, someone said, "This is also another business uh, insider article." Uh, what if we started a GoFundMe to buy ladders just to troll them? Um, a little glimmer of hope in this whole story that uh, they also raised seven million dollars as of right now. The number could be higher, but um, as a joke to troll the people from the previous build a wall GoFundMe want to raise money to buy ladders to combat, you know, the wall. Thought that was a nice little glimmer of hope, something funny, but um, we just got to do better. It's crazy that he is a veteran and. It's like, forget my fellow. Not even, you're not even looking out. It'd be your own people. It'd be your own people. You're not even looking out for your fellow veterans. Like I said, people got their own choices. People make their choices, and sometimes it's not the right decisions for, for mankind. Yeah. Um, now everybody has what, like you said, people centric views. Makes no sense. We do not have any sweet deets this week. If you own a business, or would you like to send a shout out to a business, you can email us at talkingbrown.sugar at gmail.com with the subject line business feature. Or sweet deets. It's time for our main discussion. What do we? What's the topic for today, Mom? Gentrification. Gentrification. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us um, about the time you went shopping with Grandma? Grandma, you mean your great grandma? Jellyme. Yeah. Great Jellyme. That's would be I didn't go with my grandma. I went with your great grandmother. May Yella. Yes. Fuller. Jella May's mother. Correct Amendo. Okay. Yes, that yes, that story. No more nineteen seventy? Yes. Okay. How old were you? I was five. I had just turned five coming down here in the summer. So you were a kindergartner. I was a kindergartner getting ready to go first grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, we was, as usual, I look forward to going to these little shopping episodes with my grandma. Because she always made it fun for us. And showing us the prices and me going back to New York comparing things and the noise and the rat race. It was a little calmer. What was what else was different that stood out to you? Um, Between shopping up north and shopping in North Carolina. Well, we didn't have no subways or no buses or anything to worry about. Um, people here at that time, you knew it was a little different. Plus, Grandma would always gives us a spiel. You don't look for nothing. Don't touch nothing. Don't ask for nothing. Don't do it. Don't break nothing. She'll give you that look, and you know what that look is about. So we entering in the store. What and, kind of store? Um, it was a clothing store. Plus, it had like a little counter where you can get little 
little sandwiches. Like a 1950s, like a milkshake counter? Something like that. Okay. And it was a clothing store inside, all of that combined. Correct. People could pick up little goods and take them home. Mm -hmm. So after we did our little shopping, she knew we was going to be hungry. So as we approached the counter, she gave me this look and I gave her a look. And at that time, it was no sign saying um, no blacks or no one could eat at the counter because she was standing at the counter, but it had no chairs or anything. Okay. But I did see some chairs, like mm-hmm. a stool. So she looked at me and I looked at her. She Who was, was she? Who looked at you? Grandma. Your grandma looked, okay. Mm-hmm. Mayella. She looked at me and she knew I always had something to say. And my cousin was with me too. Um, knowing me, I looked at the lady who was at the counter, I guess the the waitress. And um, she asked my grandmother, you know, do you want to order something? Because you said you were looking at her and grandma told you not to. She told me not to look at the lady. And you did what? I looked at her anyway. What do you mean you looked? You I didn't looked, mean mugger. What do you mean you looked at her? I looked at her and smiled like, like hello. Like how you would normally greet somebody. I was waiting for her to say hello too, but. She didn't, so I didn't think no more about it. Mm-hmm. So I was a kid being a kid. And, and she was old. Yeah, she was a white lady. Oh, okay. And my grandmother was like, you know, giving me that look like, you need to be quiet. But I'm still looking at this lady. So she looked down at, over the counter and said, do you want a weenie? And I looked at her like, what? I said, I don't eat no weenies. I eat Franks. <laughs> and my grandmother grabbed my shoulder and she said, no, we want four weenies. And I was looking at my grandmother. My grandmother kind of grabbed my shoulder and kind of like nudged me like, let's go. But, you know, it it shows you how times have changed. Mm -hmm. And returning back to um, Durham to live here in the 80s, downtown looked like somebody hit it with a wrecking ball. You see more homeless everywhere. Stores closed. People were just coming down there to pay bills. I guess going to the nightclubs at night. But it was... It was not a place where you just wanted to go. Because, you know, when you go downtown or uptown, wherever people may call it, you're supposed to want to have a good time and say, you know, meet people, you see people, your family members, or you might just be in a good mood to shop. But downtown at that time was not a good place to shop. Yeah, um, that's crazy that you get, you were able to see the transition from the 70s and 80s and even – up until present day, I remember um, growing up as a 90s kid um, downtown. Like, I knew at a young age down like about social services, um, child support type things because I knew, like, that was the landmark for going downtown. That's what people went downtown for, just for business, go to court, you you know, things about child support. And I knew there was what my, my um, preschool was downtown. Mm-hmm. Because you made sure we knew where we were going, where things were. But downtown was not a place for fun. Downtown was a place I went to school or somebody, you know, adults went for business. And it wasn't. That was the highlight. That was it. And, you know, as we look now, things have changed. Uh, they turned down, like, places people I can remember would enjoy meeting up because that would, you know, if you pay your bills, whatever change of. Money they had, they would meet there and sit at the different restaurants and to eat, mingle. Now, but how, but how is that different now? We have, you know, we have so many new restaurants now. Um, plenty of breweries, you know, the axe place where you can throw axes and get beer. How is that different from those places you're talking about where, you know, people would 
take what they had left and, you know, still go meet people and socialize. How is that different now? Because we have a lot more, I feel like we have a lot more options now downtown. Well, at that time, you know, it was more like the family home type meal or the little quick sandwich, something that was affordable. And the breadwinner or the, the a single family mom, she could take her kids and find some. But now you got the food trucks. Uh, people don't really even come downtown to pay bills because everything's online. It's just a different time right now. But it, you can tell everything is being pushed out. If you what, don't, what's, like, what's being pushed out? Um, the family, the the family togetherness is more like you know I'm coming out here to run this business. I got an apartment. Um, you got to pay the park everywhere. I mean, it's just not the same hometown feeling people look for in the South. To me, everything is like whatever you see in books, TVs is, is past the modern age, and I'm, of course we got to move on. Mm-hmm. But now they're moving all our black people out. Of the network of where they used to being or going or calling themselves like the Black Wall Street of Durham. I mean, you have a sign, but that area is not even for us. It's just a corner on the street. Well, we used to have the NC Mutual Bank, uh, NCI Med. Yeah. Um, those two buildings I know that are still there on that are on Black Wall Street, um, and. My thing is, I guess it depends on your perspective, whether you are a native of Durham, whether you've always lived here, whether you're a transplant, I think you're going to look at it differently, but it is gentrification. You see houses popping up, and it's a lot of half a million dollar, million dollar homes around Durham in areas where, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, you do not want to be over there after five o'clock when the sun's going down, you do, you do not want to be on that side of town. Um, like Eastern, all kinds of crazy places. You just didn't want to be outside walking by yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, without any kind of anything on you. If you, if you had to be out at night, like if you was coming home from work or anything like after a school practice or school program, you just did not want to be outside after a certain hour. Um, that's crazy to think like, even if you had a school program, you did not need to be outside at a certain hour when the sun went down. Um, but it just, amazes me the speed that it has like happened because you know um it's cyclical I know because you have things like white flight and everybody leaves to go to the suburbs and things like that and then you have this resurgence where everybody now is moving back, back to the inner city we have lots of apartment buildings that um are what a thousand plus dollars to rent monthly mm-hmm. um just a lot of like hip new things popping up downtown that aren't really af- like affordable for everybody in reality um for residents especially native residents who can't even afford to keep the houses that have been in their family for generations that they have had to foreclose on that are then renovated and sold for you know market value um it's just i've seen articles too um Asking those questions like, what are we doing? What can we do for people who feel like the new Durham, this new close Silicon Valley um, incubator? Like, how can we keep people of color, black people in the loop and a part of it and also 
contributors like in every facet of it rather than just a buyer how can we be the sellers the creators the manufacturers the leaders the bosses like how can we be yeah so we have a mindset so i know when they was doing a tobacco area over the end of the brightly square they had a strong foundation when people came in bankers different people of the area just took over and now look at them it's a booming business by itself but downtown has definitely changed it's like a a mini metropolis as you say and the taxpayers are paying for a lot of things they probably don't even know what they're paying for so we have to say um on a movement of talking to people city officials coming to these community meetings in your community because every day you look in the newspaper or you listen on the radio or tv they're talking about um, remodeling highways, streets, rezoning, and it affects your, your kids, your taxes. Every time you turn around, something is going up, and you'd be like, what's this for? Next week, you know, you're getting some mail. Um, we're going to take some of your property. I know. Yeah, we um, were talking about just getting more involved in general with those conversations, being a part of the decision-making process <clears throat> before it becomes a change and those different ways we can do that. So write in and tell us how you stay engaged with your community, how you stay engaged with your city, your state, and all those different levels um, so we can get people moving, talking, and just more involved rather than being reactionary um, and just responsive to things that are changing. We can be a part of the change and the decisions that, you know, guide which which way we're going to go. Um, we didn't get any feedback just yet, but we'll be looking for it. So like, comment, and share all those different things. Um, events and things we have coming up next week. Yep. The last week of December, like we said, we're going live. So keep your eye out on all of our social media handles and your podcast feed. And we'll be letting you know when it's going down. We'll be live on Facebook. So it'll be a mini version of Talking Brown Sugar, but live, live. Probably Friday. Um. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned, people. You always can find us online, Facebook and Instagram. At Talking Brown Sugar. On Twitter. At Talking Brown Sug. That's Talking Brown S U G. And you can email us. Talking Brown dot sugar at gmail dot com. I'm Angela. I'm Raja. We, we out. out.